for anyone who missed it, we are doing what we're calling a Realign Challenge. And in that challenge, in the month of January, uh, Family Life Church will be reading through the book of Mark together, and we will also be going through a devotional booklet. If somehow you didn't get the devotional booklet yet, you can pick that up in the foyer on your way out and um, j- jump right in and join us. Don't feel like you missed out. If you're a couple days behind, it's no big deal. You can jump right in right where you are and, and join us. Uh, each week has a theme, and this week's theme is Realign Your Heart. And the messages that we're going to be preaching on Sundays are taken right out of the scriptures that you will have read in the previous week. And so for those of you that already were in the middle of the challenge with us, the scripture that you heard this morning would be familiar to you because it would have been the scripture that you read uh, the last couple days. During the Christmas season, uh, most families have some traditions that they like to do, and my family has some traditions that we like to keep. One of those traditions is watching the Home Alone movies. And when I say the Home Alone movies, I'm referring to Home Alone 1 and Home Alone 2, Lost in New York, because after Home Alone 2, they go downhill real quick. They shouldn't even really be considered Home Alone movies. This year, my family was quarantined in the, uh, for most of the month of December, and during that time, uh, Natalie, Natalie and I felt up for watching a movie, so most of the other people were laying down sleeping, and so we sat down and we watched Home Alone 2, Lost in New York. And the movie kind of starts out with Kevin's family running through the airport because they're late for their flight, like they always seem to be, and he has this voice recorder that he's been playing with, and the battery in his voice recorder dies. So he's running through the airport and he's trying to put the new batteries in his voice recorder and it's not working because he's running at the same time. So finally he stops, he gets down on his knees and he changes the batteries in his voice recorder. And as he does that, he looks up and he sees his family running away from him through the airport. And his dad is last in line. His dad is wearing this long tan trench coat. So he bends down, he puts the batteries in, and he gets, it, he gets it latched, and he looks back up, and there's a man in front of him who has that same long tan trench coat, but it's not his dad, but he thinks it's his dad. So he goes running through the airport trying to catch up with his dad, and he sees his dad run onto the plane ahead of him. So he runs, and he gets on the plane, but he ends up in the wrong city, ends up not with his family, and the next few days end up being a crazy few days for Kevin, as those of you would know who have seen the movie. And Natalie leaned over to me when that happened, and she said, following the wrong person can get you in a lot of trouble. And it's so true in life that following the wrong person can get you in a world of trouble. But Jesus, here in this portion of Scripture that he just read, he invites the disciples to come and to follow him. In the same way that following the wrong person can get you in a world of trouble, following Jesus can change your life in an incredible way. As I read this portion of scripture, the first thing that stood out to me is that God will call us out of our comfort zone. God calls us out of our comfort zone. Last week I talked to you about Moses. God called Moses out of his comfort zone for a season of training. He called Moses out of the palace to the backside of the desert, and there he trained him. And then there's David, who God called out of his father's house, out into the field to tend to his father's sheep. And there he had a season of training. David didn't know he was in the middle of a season of training at first. He kind of felt like he was lost. He felt like he was forgotten. All of his brothers had this important purpose in their life, but he felt like he was just lost out in the field. But when he was out in the field tending for sheep, God was training him. 
eventually God sent a bear that attacked David's sheep. And David was in a season of training, but he didn't know it. But he saw that his sheep was being attacked. So he went out and he fought and he killed a bear, which is pretty crazy. We usually just kind of gloss over that. But David literally fought and killed a bear and saved his sheep. And then sometime later, God sent a lion that, that took one of David's sheep. And David went and he fought the lion, he killed the lion, and he saved the sheep. This was a season of training for David, even though he didn't know it. But he was just trying to be faithful. He was outside of his comfort zone, just trying to be faithful where God had him. Eventually, David's dad asks him to take some food to his brothers who were at war. And again, David is being faithful in his season of training outside of his comfort zone. So he goes and he takes his brother some food. <clears throat> While he takes his brother some food, he finds out that there's this giant named Goliath that's mocking his God. It angers him and it breaks his heart. So David goes and he fights Goliath. And the reason David could fight Goliath and win was because when he was out of his comfort zone, in the season of training that God had him, he embraced all that God wanted to do in him. And that gave him the necessary skills and tools to fight Goliath and, and win. In the scripture I shared with you, he calls the disciples out of their normal lives for a season of training. He calls them out of the places that they were experts. He calls them out of the places that they were comfortable, out of the places they were established, out of the places they were even successful. And he calls them to come follow him and become learners. Some of you will remember um, Paul Johansson, who's spoken at our church a number of times over the years. The last time he spoke here was in 2019, which isn't that long ago, but it feels like a world ago. He spoke here in 2019. When I was at Elam, he was going to speak at a conference uh, in Syracuse on a Friday night, and he asked me if I wanted to go with him. So I said, sure. So I went down, I hopped in the car with him, and we headed to Syracuse. And I was asking him questions about his life, and he was telling me stories, and some of them were funny, and some of them were stories that would teach me things, principles that I needed in my life. But it always seemed weird to me. I don't, those of you that know Paul Johansson, maybe it seems weird to you too. It seems weird to me that he was a missionary in Africa. Like there's a lot of things that Paul Johansson could have done in his life, but nothing about him seems like what the profile of a missionary looks like to me. Just, he sees some guy from New York City, like doesn't seem like he would go to Africa. So I asked him, I said, how did you end up in Africa? I said, well, it was one summer. I was working for my grandfather who owned a construction company and I was helping him out and making a little extra money. And a friend who had gone to Africa came back and told me about his time that he had spent in Africa. He said, you know, I'm going to go back and I think you should come with me. So initially he was like, there's no way I'm going to Africa. Like there's nothing about me that is meant for Africa. I'm not going to Africa. I'm going to stay in New York City and do my thing there. And he had plans for his life and didn't intend to go to Africa. But eventually he started feeling like God was calling him to go to Africa and he kind of couldn't shake it. So eventually he was like, okay, God, if you want me to go to Africa, I'll go to Africa. If you're going to Africa, I'll follow you there. So he goes to Africa and he said he was right. It was so far out of his comfort zone, it seemed insane. When he first got there, he thought, surely I made a mistake. Like this is not where God wants me to be. I think I better just hurry up and catch a flight home. But he stayed. And he was stretched. And he told me this. He said, Africa was the best training I ever could have received in my life. He said, there's no place on earth that I could have gone that I would have received that same training that I received when I was in Africa. 
at this time, when I was talking to him, I'm not sure how long he had been back home from being in Africa. I'm guessing 30 or 40 years he had been home. He said, there isn't a sermon that I've preached, not one, since I've been back from Africa that I haven't drawn from what I learned when I was in Africa. So there's not a, not a situation that I found myself in that wisdom was required that I didn't draw from what I learned in that season of training out of my comfort zone in Africa. He said, in fact, I have to work really, really hard to not make every analogy in every sermon about my time in Africa because there's so much that God did in me in that season out of my comfort zone that I could make every analogy in every sermon about what happened in Africa. Paul Johansson obeyed God and followed him to Africa and a season of learning outside of his comfort zone followed. In America, we have a very independent mentality. We like to think of ourselves as being capable and doing it on our own. Somebody once said the song, I Did It My Way by Frank Sinatra should be the American theme song. We like to think of ourselves as pulling ourselves up by our own bootstraps and making it happen in our own strength. In fact, that's kind of the American dream is that you can start from nothing and if you're willing to work hard enough, you can build a life for yourself. But following Jesus is very different than that. Following Jesus is a call not to do it in your own strength, but to learn to follow him step by step, day by day. It's a call to lay down what we know and embrace being a learner. I want you to hear these words from Jesus from thousands of years ago being spoken to you this morning. Will you hear his call to lay aside your expertise and come and follow him? Jesus was calling Peter, Andrew, James, and John out of their comfort zone, fishing, what they knew. What is the comfort zone that Jesus is calling you out of this morning? Where's the place where you've made yourself comfortable? You've made a comfortable life for yourself and Jesus is calling you out. What's the place of certainty that he's calling you out of? And what's the place of uncertainty that he's calling you into? When Jesus calls you and I to follow him, he is calling us out of our comfort zone. The second thing that stands out to me in this portion of scripture is God picks ordinary people for an extraordinary task. I'm going to focus on Peter a little bit here. Peter isn't exactly the cream of the crop. Peter is about as raw as you could get. Peter has a big mouth, which is good because he sticks his foot in his mouth sometimes. He's always got something to say. Peter also has an anger problem. We would say that, that Peter has a short fuse. One time he got mad at a law enforcement officer and picked up a sword and tried to cut the guy's head off. But he was a fisherman and not a, not a swordsman, and so he cut the guy's ear off on accident. Peter probably cussed a little bit too much. Peter always has something to say. Peter's your friend that you're like, dude, I can't take you anywhere without you causing a scene. Everywhere I take you, something crazy happens. Peter's a show-off too. But God has a call on Peter's life. There's some stuff between who Peter is and who God has called Peter to be. This is a rough group of guys that Jesus has called to come and follow him. He didn't go pick the educated. He didn't pick the religious or spiritual or people who had it all together. He just picked normal people. What I want you to see here and what I want you to understand 
is that God is not afraid of your stuff. Each one of us have stuff in our life. And some of you sit here this morning and you look all together, but you still have stuff. We fake it real well to one another, but we all have stuff in our life. And God is not afraid of your stuff. He isn't afraid of the places that you're rough around the edges. In fact, I think that Jesus picked Peter. Yeah, Peter talked a lot. Peter had too much to say. But at least Jesus knew what he was thinking. And Jesus was like, okay, well, that's what he's thinking. We can work with that. Let's sit down and talk about that, Peter. God is not afraid of your stuff. But when Jesus sees Peter, he doesn't just see his shortcomings. Jesus sees the best in Peter. Jesus sees the best in Peter. This should be so comforting to you this morning. Jesus sees the best in you when other people see the worst in you. Jesus sees the best in each one of you. Let that sink in. Jesus sees the best in you. It's hard for us to even wrap our mind around this because so many times we hold people to their worst moments. We say things like, I'll never trust him again. Or I finally saw her true colors. I know who she is now. But Jesus isn't like that at all. Jesus sees the best in us and he sets us free from the worst in us. Right now, Jesus is looking at each of you. And he sees your shortcomings. But he chooses to see the best in you. And if you'll let him, he will set you free from the worst in you. These men that Jesus called were ordinary, but they also had some skills. They were fishermen. Just like these four disciples, each of you are ordinary people, but you also have some skills. You have some stuff that you're good at. And in the midst of this realigned challenge, I believe he is calling you to use your skills for the glory of God and do it strategically for the mission of God. What I mean by that is God wants to use your skills. If you'll submit to him and you'll follow him, he wants to use your skills for his glory and to complete his mission on the earth. If you're a carpenter, you should be the best carpenter that you could be as worship to God. So when people walk in and they see what you, what you completed, what you accomplished, they could look at it and they say, oh my God. And you can know, yeah, exactly. What I did should point to God. And you should use your skills in a strategic way to advance God's mission on the earth. This idea is uh, illustrated well in a story about a taxidermist that I met named Nathan. Nathan, his first passion in life was, uh, was hunting. He loved hunting. And his second, second passion in life was taxidermy. For his day job, Nathan was a computer programmer and he had been incredibly successful he actually retired really young, very wealthy at 40 years old. A couple years before that, though, he was out in the woods hunting in the fall. And he was sitting in his favorite hunting spot. He had been very successful over the years at this one hunting spot. It was like 40 or 50 yards off the edge of this farmer's field. And this field had been farmed for, who knows, 100 years or something like that. And during those years, the farmers had pulled a lot of huge boulders out of the ground in this field. It was a very rocky area. So in order to be able to grow their crops, they pulled these huge rocks out of the field. And they would push all these big rocks over to the edge of the field. 
there was a hedgerow there, and that hedgerow was filled with all these huge boulders. And on the other side of the hedgerow, there was a swamp. So oftentimes the deer would come out of the swamp and they would walk the hedgerow and either head into the field to get something to eat or head into the woods that were behind him. So he would sit at this kind of pinch point and wait for the deer to come. So he's sitting there and enjoying the peace and the quiet and how beautiful it was. It was a perfect fall day. The bucks were just going to start moving and he was ready to roll. So he's sitting there and all of a sudden he catches some movement in the hedgerow where the boulders are. So anytime you're hunting, you see movement, you assume it's deer. So he's looking over there, hoping it's going to be a deer. And all of a sudden, he realized that the boulders are moving. He thinks, that's weird. So he kind of watches a little bit more, and the boulders move again. And then he hears, holy, holy, holy. He kind of looks around, and he's like, looks behind him, and like one of his friends playing a prank on him. What was that about? So he sits there again, he sees the boulder move again, and he hears it again, holy, holy, holy. So he just sits there quietly and watches. He's trying to figure out what's going on. Eventually he starts to get nervous inside. He starts to kind of panic, like, am I losing my mind? Like, what did I just hear? I don't even know what to make of that. It's bothering so much that he climbs down out of his tree stand, and he goes home. It's 3 o'clock when he walks in the door, his wife is like, what are you doing home before dark? And he said, I don't feel good. I think I'm going to go to bed. So he goes, tries to go to bed, and he can't sleep. He's tossing and turning all night. He barely sleeps at all. He can't shake what happened. He doesn't know what to make of it. So he gets up in the morning, and he says, I'm going to make an appointment with my doctor. I'm going to go talk to my doctor about what happened, see if he has anything to say. So he goes to the doctor, and he sits down with the doctor, and he tells the doctor what happened. He says, I think I'm losing my mind. Like, this is really scary like I don't even know what's going on the doctor asks him some more questions and he answers those questions the doctor kind of sits there quietly for a second he says you know I have a friend who's a psychiatrist and I think you would like him a lot if you want I could refer you to him and you could go talk to him and I think you'd enjoy talking to him and he could probably help you he said but maybe I'll lose you as a, pa- a patient for saying this he said but I just got to tell you something he said that w- that scenario you described it kind of sounds like something i've read in the bible before man says what do you mean and he said there's a scripture that says i can't remember exactly but it says something like if the rocks or if if god's people are silent then even the rocks will begin to cry out and the presence of the lord filled the room the man fell on his face he was broken before god and that day that doctor got to lead him to christ he met christ that day This guy's life completely changed. He goes from being someone who was a computer programmer and only cared about taxidermy to being someone whose life was sold out for Christ. He goes to church with the doctor. He gets to meet the pastor. He starts studying the Bible. His life changed. His wife meets God. His kids meet God. His life completely changes. This guy ends up continuing. He retired from being a computer programmer and he continues doing his taxidermy work because it doesn't really feel like work to him. It just feels like something that's fun to do. He ends up winning a bunch of taxidermy competitions. He ends up becoming the most well-known taxidermist in his state. Guys from all over the state are bringing their trophies to him for him to mount these trophies. And he says, everyone who comes to my shop to bring their trophy for me to mount 
they want to tell me the story about this trophy that they harvested. Of course, like every hunter wants to tell their story. So every guy comes in the door and asks him, oh, what happened? Tell me about it. He said, I used to be a professional computer programmer. Then I became a professional taxidermist. He says, now I have become a professional for God at taking any hunting story you could imagine and finding a way to weave Jesus' story into that hunter's story. He said, I kid you not, I'm a professional at it. There's no hunting story that anyone could ever tell me that I can't turn that into a story about Jesus. He said, try me. He was speaking at a conference. So guys came up and told him his hunting story. Every single one, this guy could turn into a story about Jesus. Every single person who comes to his shop gets to hear about Jesus. He says this. He says, I'm a taxidermist for the glory of God, and I strategically use that gift to share God's story with every person I can. God not only picks ordinary people like Peter, Andrew, James, and John, and Nathan the taxidermist, and you and me. He picks ordinary people like each one of us. How could God take the skills that you have, the things that you're good at, and use it to bring him glory and advance his kingdom? How could God take the skills that you have, the things you're good at, like this taxidermist, to advance his kingdom? You've all probably heard things like, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Another way people say that is they say you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. This is totally true. We do end up looking like the people that we spend time with. But that completely changes when Jesus Christ becomes one of the people that is in the corner of your life. Those averages get completely skewed as we follow Jesus. Following Christ is going to cost you, but it's also going to change you. I wrote a list of some of what following Christ cost these three men. Following Christ cost them their comfort. They traded comfort for uncertainty. These guys literally had no idea where they were going or what they were going to do. Jesus said, come and follow me, and they just followed him. They didn't know what the next day held. They didn't know what they were going to do for food or for money or where they were going to sleep. They embraced uncertainty. Maybe 2020 felt for some of you like Something came out of nowhere and hit you, and you don't even know where you're going. You don't know what direction is up, what direction is down. Maybe the pandemic was too much for you, or maybe it was just something else that happened in 2020. And you feel like it threw you for a loop, and you don't even know where you're going right now. You might not know where you're going, but you can know who you're going with if you follow Christ. And knowing who you're going with is so much more important than knowing where you're going. The disciples also gave up their careers, fishing. They gave up their possessions, their nets, and their boats. They gave up their family. James and John literally left their dad with hired help in a boat and went and followed Jesus. They gave up their friends. When you give up everything that's normal and everything that's in your life and go do something completely different, your friends oftentimes think you're crazy. They gave up safety. Jesus said they would be like sheep among wolves, and he said, all people will hate you because of me. They gave up sin. Sin was really all they knew in their life. It was the only comfort they had, and they gave it up for Jesus. And then they gave up themselves. 
Jesus said, if anyone is going to come after me, they must deny themselves. We live in a world where everything revolves around self. Self-protection, self-preservation, self-promotion, entertain yourself, comfort yourself, take care of yourself. Jesus says if you want to follow him, you actually have to die to yourself. Peter, Andrew, James, and John, their lives completely changed when they said yes to following Jesus. They went from rough fishermen to turning the world upside down for Jesus. They started to see miracles. In fact, the book of Acts seems to imply that when Peter would walk down the street, his shadow would fall on people who were sick and they would be healed. These guys became the first missionaries that ever existed. Everywhere they went, they were sharing the good news of Christ. In fact, if you followed the lineage of those first churches that were planted, that these disciples were a part of, and you traced it all throughout history, you would find out that you and I are here today, that Family Life Church exists because Peter, James, Andrew, and John said yes to following Christ. There might have been hundreds of other fishermen fishermen on the beach that day that Jesus called these guys to follow him. But we don't know anything about any of those other fishermen. It's like their life was just a dot on, this, on the scale of time. They lived, they fished, they took care of their families, they died. But Peter, Andrew, James, and John, their stories have been told for thousands of years. Their stories about Peter, James, Andrew, and John in the most famous book that ever existed in all of history. The bestseller in all of history has stories about them inside of it because they lived for something bigger than themselves. They said yes to Jesus and they followed him even though it cost them a lot. How many of you have ever felt like you were ready to throw in the towel? Like just be done with life? Like okay, maybe the pandemic did it for you. Maybe 2020 was the time where you where you felt like that, or maybe it was another time in your life. Maybe some of you feel like that right now. Like, I'm just done. I've given it my best shot. I've tried to follow Christ. I've tried to do what I'm supposed to do, but I'm just done. I can't do it anymore. I can't handle life anymore. I quit. Because Peter said yes to Christ and followed him, Peter's story is written about in the Bible. And in the Bible, there's a story about when Peter threw in the towel in life. Peter had given everything he had to follow Christ. He went all in. All of his hope, all of his faith, everything was wrapped up in Jesus. And then Peter watched Jesus die on a cross. It was too much for him. He couldn't take it. Maybe some of you have felt like that before. Like, life is just too hard sometimes. Like, I can't do it. That's where Peter was. He had gone all in, giving his life to Christ. And then he watched Jesus, who he gave everything to, die on a cross. And he's like, I can't do it anymore. I'm going to go back to the stuff that I know. I'm going to go back to what used to provide me comfort. I'm going to go back to what used to provide me joy. I'm going to go back to what used to provide me entertainment. I'm going to go back to fishing. So he did. He walked away, threw in the towel, and went back to fishing. And who came and found him in that place? Jesus did. Jesus came and found Peter when he had given up on life. And he rekindled a relationship with Peter. He asked Peter, do you love me? 
And three times Peter said, yes, I love you. Jesus said, then feed my sheep. Peter, uh, Jesus not only rekindled a relationship with Peter, but he reminded Peter of who he was. He reminded Peter of what he was called to. And that story, because Peter said yes to Jesus, that story can encourage each one of us when we're at the end of our rope, where we feel like we can't do it anymore, where we feel like we want to give up and throw in the towel. Even in that place, Jesus can come find us and enter back into relationship with us and remind us of who we're called to be. Jesus is a specialist at taking broken lives and making them beautiful. Each one of us is a story of Jesus taking us in our place of brokenness and mending our lives back together. And none of us have walked with Christ so long and are so perfect that there aren't still broken places in our life. Each one of us still has places in our hearts that are broken. And if we say yes to Jesus and we follow him, He'll take the broken places of our life and weave them back together and make us something beautiful. Would you bow your heads this morning? I just want to allow you to take a moment with the Lord this morning. I want to ask you where you're at with Him. Have you been staying in a comfortable place today? And today you hear Jesus calling you out of your comfort zone. If you look at your life over the last season, it's like, I've just been staying in that place of being comfortable. I haven't been, been going forward and following Jesus out of my comfort zone. Maybe for you, this realigned challenge is about getting out of your comfort zone and following Jesus. Maybe for you, this season is about following Jesus and becoming a learner. Or maybe when I said that Jesus sees the best in you, it did something inside of you. Maybe you feel like you can't even see the best in you anymore. Maybe you feel like you wonder if there's even anything good in there at all. Maybe during this season of realignment, you need Jesus to speak to you about the best that he sees inside of you. Just like he did Peter. You need Jesus to see the potential that's inside of you. Maybe in your morning devotions, you could spend some time asking God what he sees in you. Or maybe for you, you feel like you need to spend more time with Jesus in this month and let him rub off on you. You've been the same for way too long, and it's time for some things to change in your life. It's time for you to follow Jesus. Maybe there's some things you need to give up, or maybe there's some things that you just need to change. God, would you come and would you realign our hearts? Would you find the places that we've been stuck in our comfort zone and would you call us out and lord i ask that in the midst of this realigned challenge that many many of us would follow you we would say yes to following you again we would say yes to following you afresh out of our comfort zone and lord that we would never be the same like the disciples who were not the same their lives changed lord that you would allow us to never be the same in your name we pray Amen. Uh, for those of you that are uh, members here at Family Life Church, I wanted to remind you that we're not going to be having an in-person annual business meeting uh, this year because of the challenges of achieving a quorum because of the pandemic. Um, so the members of Family Life Church, you'll receive an email right after church today. And in that email, there'll be a brief video update from me and Pastor Chris 
and then we'll give you instructions on how you can vote so that we can operate under the new budget for 2021 and that officers can fill their offices. If voting online like that is challenging for you or you would just prefer to be able to um, vote on paper, uh, Ben will be in the foyer with absentee ballots and he can help you fill those out if that would work better for you. All right? Don't forget to uh, join us in the Realign Challenge. There's more booklets in the foyer if you need one. And the ushers will come around and release you. Have a blessed week.